0: Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, go ahead and turn to verse 1 this morning. We're pausing our study through the Gospel of Matthew to consider commitments that God calls us to as members of Abounding Grace Church. And last week we noted that we should gather together to worship our triune God. And today I want to point out a second commitment by studying Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. But I thought to get the context, I'd like to begin our reading in verse 1 this morning. So Ephesians 4.1, if you're using the Black uh, Bibles provided, that can be found on page 977. And again, if you're able, I'd ask you to stand please for the reading of God's word. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. May God add his blessing to the preaching of his word. Please be seated. Well, the title of the message this morning is Church Growth. God has poured out his love on us. He has saved us through his son, Jesus Christ, and he's graciously placed us together in the body of Christ, the church. And in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Jesus will grow his church, but the question is, what does this growth look like and how does it come about? And what role do we play in that growth? I hope to answer those questions this morning as we study verses 11 through 16. And from that text, I want to make three points this morning about church growth. You can see the the outline in your bulletin there. Here's point number one, what I called source. What is the source of our growth? Well, our life and growth comes from Christ I mean, that's important to understand right off the bat. As we consider church growth, we first need to recognize that our life and our growth comes from Christ. And of course, as the church, our very life comes from Christ, right? We just sang that, Jesus is my life. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive together in Christ, Ephesians 2.4. We were enslaved to the power and penalty of sin, but Christ has purchased us by his own blood, Acts twenty twenty eight. Jesus willingly laid down his life on the cross for us to pay for our sins and reconcile us to God, thereby giving us new life, eternal life. So, you know, that's reason to praise God right there, right? Reason to praise our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for giving us life, eternal life in Christ. And then as we think about that, as we think about the gospel, it's not only the new birth, it's not only the, the new life that we have being, being brought from death to life, but our ongoing life, our ongoing uh, provision, our ongoing strength, our ongoing growth also comes from Christ, and we're going to see that in our passage today, but we've already heard it from the scripture reading, right? Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, and so how do we grow as branches? How do we bear fruit as branches? Well, it's from our attachment to the vine, right? We grow as Jesus lives his life through us by his indwelling spirit. And so here in Ephesians 4 we have this picture of growth of the church remember the church being the body of Christ and so he's going to talk about how does the body grow what does that look like and it comes from Christ himself and the good news is right not only is our life and growth comes come from Jesus but Jesus intends for us to grow he wants his body to be growing he wants his church to be growing He not only gave us life, but he provides then what we as a church need to grow. Notice how our passage, remember we're we're looking at verses 11 through 16 today. Notice how it starts. And he gave. Well, who's the he? Well, That's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what, what it's been talking about. Verses 7 through 10, right before that, describe how Christ gave his church gifts. Gifts to enable the, the church to grow. And we know the Bible teaches that every believer receives a, a gift of grace, a spiritual gift for the good of the body. And so again, verses 7 through 10 talk about how Christ has lavished these gifts on his church. And the picture it gives there in Ephesians 4, 7 through 10, is of a, of a conquering king, right? You know, a picture of a king who went off into battle and, and, and let's say he went and defeated our enemies, right? And now he's coming back victoriously. He's, he's ascending back to the, the castle or the kingdom, right? In victory, in triumph. And he's, he's leading the, his captives uh, in procession there. You know, they've been captured, they've been defeated, they're humiliated. And not only that, but as he leads them, he's, he's sharing the, the bounty of his victory, he's sharing the spoils of his victory, he's, he's lavishing his people with those spoils. And that's the picture that Paul gives there in verses 7 through 10. And he's, he explains that Jesus did that. He has defeated our enemies. He descended to earth to defeat our enemies of, of sin, death, and Satan. He did that by dying on the cross and rising again in victory. And so now he has ascended triumphantly to heaven, right? Having, having secured the victory, having, having marshaled this great defeat, He has ascended victorious to heaven, sitting on his throne. And guess what he did up there? He then lavished his people with gifts. Think about what those gifts are. First and foremost, he gave us the Holy Spirit, right? Acts chapter 2. He gave us the promised Holy Spirit. He poured out his Holy Spirit on his people so that his very life would be in them and living through them, giving them what they need to grow. And to know him and to be his witnesses. Not only does he then lavish on us the Holy Spirit, but then, like I said, the, the verses 7-10 through 10 explains he gives us, along with the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. Right? He gives us those spiritual gifts, or as Corinthians says, those gifts of grace. And so every believer is given those gifts of grace, and they're for the growth, for the, the, the care, for the building up of the body. So I hope you see that our our life and our growth comes from Jesus. He is our victorious king, and he's a good and generous king, right? Not only has he delivered us, but now he continues to give us what we need so that we can thrive, so that we can grow, so that we can bring glory to him. So he indwells us by his spirit. He gives us spiritual gifts, again, to be used for the care, for the growth, for the building up of his body. So Jesus wants us to grow. He wants us to be a healthy church that brings glory to him. So I hope you're just praising Jesus for his provision, for his his power, his provision, for his generosity to us today. Our life and growth comes from Christ. He is our very life. He is the source of our growth. So that's the first point. Secondly, let's consider the goal. Right? We've been talking about growth, but what do we mean when we say that? What kind of growth Should we be aiming for? In other words, what kind of growth is Jesus interested in when we talk about church growth? Are we trying to grow as large numerically as possible? That's probably the first thing that comes to our mind when we think of church growth, isn't it? Well, what does the text say? And as we're going to see now from verses 13 through 14, the goal is for us to grow up into Christ-like maturity, the goal of growth. What is, what is the purpose of this growth? What how should we be growing? Well, it's to grow up into Christ-like maturity. That's point number two. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because you know, we're talking about the body of Christ. And you know, just as we expect our kids to be growing up and getting bigger, but also getting more mature, so too Jesus expects the church, the body of Christ, to be maturing. And becoming more like him. To mature and become more like Christ. Look at verse 13 with me. It says, until we all attain, we'll come back to 11 and 12 in a moment. But until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's kind of like one phrase, one description after another, right? All describing the goal. What should our growth look like? How are we to be growing? Well, let's look, at, let's look closer at it. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, right? When you see the faith in the epistles, that's talking of, often talking about just the gospel, right? The objective content of the gospel. Together, we need to learn the gospel, right? We need to believe the gospel, we need to learn the gospel, and we need to learn all its implications for us in our life. Together we need to grow to attain this unity of faith, and then notice the second description, and the knowledge of the Son of God. That means learning the truth of who Christ is, right? Jesus is the Son of God. So we need to grow in in knowing who Christ is, what he has done, what he continues to do, And so this is a a helpful reminder for us that, again, our salvation is all about knowing Christ, right? This isn't just about, uh, you know, affirming a a creed, although it may involve that. But it is about knowing Christ. And it's about knowing and rejoicing and understanding who he is, what he's done, what it means to be united to him, uh, what he promises in the future, what he's doing now through our union with him. All of that is wrapped up in understanding the gospel, understanding the faith. And so Paul says for us to be growing, it's to to be increasingly understanding those those truths. And and not just a head knowledge, but but being able to live them out, right? Um, This is about knowing the gospel and living it out, living out its implications. It's about Not only just, yes, I believe certain things about Jesus, but I know Jesus, and I love him, and I'm I'm living my life in union with him, not only personally, but together as a body. He's our head. He's our Lord. He's who we look to. He's he's who we praise. He's who we serve. And so this is all about knowing Christ and together, right? He's talking about the body. Notice he's saying we, we all, all through here, right? This is about together, living in union with Christ. So that's what it means to grow up. And then, and then again, he gives this helpful description because we, we understand it in the you know, normal physical realm. To grow to mature manhood, right? To be mature, to become a man, right? That's what it means to grow up. But notice, not just any man. What does he say? We are to become like Christ. Look at the end of verse 13. He's just said to mature manhood, and then he gives one final description here. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So to put it simply, the goal is to grow into Christ's likeness. Christ is the standard we are aiming for. We're to be growing in maturity, and that maturity is measured by, by Jesus himself. Right? And as we read the Gospels, you know, we realize the Son of God became a man, and and so he is the, the ultimate example, he's the ultimate measure of what it looks like to to be a man, to be a woman, and follow Christ, to, to love God, to worship God, to serve God, to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, to love your neighbor as yourself. So He's the He's the standard. And again, this is corporate growth, this is churchwide maturity. Verse 13 says, until we all attain. The unity of the faith so this isn't about just like one person being a super spiritual christian and you know they're just excelling and growing and everyone else is just kind of left in the dust this is no together we want to be growing of course there's individual growth and and personal relationship but together as a body we want to be growing and becoming like christ we are a body and christ wants his whole body healthy he wants his whole body maturing and growing so again, collectively, as a whole, we're to be growing in, into Christ-likeness, who is our head. So just to put it, a name on it, right? Abounding Grace Church should be striving to become a Christ-like church. Isn't that a good goal? That we would be a Christ-like church. Think of what that looks like. A church that loves like Christ loves, right? A church who loves one another just as Christ loves his own. A church that that welcomes outsiders or newcomers like Christ welcomes them, right? Not, not you know, think about some of the interactions Jesus had in the Gospels. You know, a sinful woman coming and Pharisees are like, eh, you know, you should be keeping her at arm's length. No, no. Jesus is like, no, this is why I've come, right? This is God's heart for sinners. That they come and that they find forgiveness. And that, that I show them love. Well, that's why we want to be as a church, right? As we come across unbelievers throughout the week or as, as God would bring some even to our very services. Let's embrace them and, and, and point them to Christ. A church that forgives like Christ forgives. A church that is focused on, that, that cares about the things that Christ cares about. He was all about the Father's business. He was all about the, the kingdom of God. That's how we want to be as a church. That's, that's maturity. That's growth. To have that kingdom mindset. A church that is compassionate for the lost. A church that's zealous for the Father's glory. Jesus was, wasn't he? He was zealous for the Father's glory a church that's committed to the body of Christ. All of these and many more we could could list are are marks of this maturity of what it looks like to become a Christ-like church. So we're to be increasingly growing into Christ-like maturity, again verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. So this is a process, right? I mean, just like growth is a process, this is a process for us. We're... And really, we're not going to finally and fully reach that goal of Christlikeness until Jesus returns, right? And then on that day when he returns, we know we'll be perfected, we'll be finally conformed into his image, right? That verse says, we know that when he appears, we will be like him. But until that day, we're, to, we're called to be growing, to become more and more like him. And again, Why? Well, so we can increasingly know him, so we can enjoy him. So as a church, we can represent him to those around us. Do you ever think about what that means to be the body of Christ? It is like we're representing him, right? So verse 13 gives the, the goal that together we grow and mature to become like Christ. And verse 14 develops that by giving the reason. So that, verse 14... We may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So do you see the contrast between 13 and 14? Right? You've got maturity versus childishness. Right? That makes sense, doesn't it? God wants us to be growing into Christ-like maturity so that we're no longer children, so that we're no longer spiritual children, immature and and what is that immaturity marked by? Verse fourteen. Well, he says, children who are tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Right. What a picture, right? You know, just being kind of blown or blown this way and blown that way and yanked all around and unstable. Um, and that that marks childishness, doesn't it? Children are are easily deceived. Children are gullible. <laughs> right because they don't know they they don't have the life experience yet to recognize maybe and discern truth from error. And so Jesus the God through his word is telling us, "Hey, we live in a fallen world that has a lot of false teaching. There's going to be a lot of distortions of the gospel. There's going to be a lot of 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 the philosophy of the world blowing you this way and 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 false teaching blowing you this this other direction, and you're going to get yanked all around by distractions and distortions of the gospel. And he's saying, but no, that shouldn't throw you for a loop. You should be mature and stable, right? Immature Christians are the ones who get get um, all disheveled by that, who get get all knocked off the tracks, right? Think about and. and Maybe some of you have been this way or you know others like this. You know, every couple of years there's some Christian fad, I I say Christian in quotes, right? Some book or some fad, some phenomenon that that becomes popular, right? Becomes some bestseller. And most of the time it's it's not even um, biblical. You know, it's some kind of distortion, some kind of false teaching. But don't you know people who would claim to be Christians who... Or or maybe they are Christians, but they're very immature Christians and they just, they buy into it hook, line, and sinker, right? You know, and they're like, oh, this is the greatest thing, you know, and it, and really all it is is just something that's distracting them from the gospel, right? It's taking them away from Christ where our roots are, are to be planted deep. And so we're to grow in our understanding of the gospel and our knowledge of Christ so that we are not led astray by false teaching. And I... When I was you know, preparing this message, I, of course, I'm thinking about our 318 study, right? And wow, I mean, is that not a huge example of that, right? That's what, they're, that's what the course is geared for is it's saying, man, th- there's, there's these winds of secular humanism uh, that are, are blowing this way. And, and, and it's, it's blowing some Christians or at least some young people who grew up in the church, it's blowing them off the track, and so they're saying, no, we've gotta we've gotta be aware of those winds. We've got to recognize and discern. And we've got to know what the Bible says. We've got to know what the gospel is. So that we're stable, so that we we can withstand those those winds. And we're not tossed to and fro. So again, another plug for coming next Sunday night, right? Come. Let's let's grow together. That's what he's talking about, right? And so that's what I want for our young people is to grow together to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of Christ, that we would know the gospel, not just a sinner's prayer, not just a, well, yeah, I don't want to go to hell, but really know the gospel. What does it mean? Why did Jesus die? What does it mean to be in Christ? What is, it, what is the atonement? Right To know these things, not so we're all smarty pants, but so that we know Christ and that we're not led astray. So that we love him and grow in our worship of him. So that's what it looks like to grow in maturity. It's not, it's not being deceived, right? We're able to identify a wolf in sheep's clothing. Remember from our study in the Gospel of Matthew, there's false teachers out there. There's, there's wolves in sheep's clothing who are purposely trying to deceive the flock, We need to be able to stand up against that, against the spirit of this age. Verse 14 says, human cunning, but we know what's behind that human cunning, don't we? Who who is the one who's deceitful? Who is the one who masquerades as an angel of light? It's Satan himself. And he uses this fallen world to deceive and distract people from the truth of the gospel of Christ. But as we, as a church, by God's grace, grow together into a unity of faith, into a unity of the knowledge of of who Christ is, what he has done, we'll recognize those schemes of the devil. And and yet we'll be a stable church, firmly planted in the gospel. That's what growth looks like. So, so far we've noted that our life and growth comes from Christ, and that we're to be growing into Christ-like maturity, right? That's what we've covered, but now the question still remains. Well, how does this growth take place? And that's our third point, the process. Process. There's two components to this process that Ephesians 4 details. First, pastors or teachers equip members with the truth. And now we're back in verses 11 through 12. Remember, 7 through 10 talked about how Christ has given gifts to his church, and he gives gifts to every member of the church. In verse 11, Paul describes those gifts as people, and he hones in specifically on the, the spiritual gifts that have to do with the ministry of the word, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, all having to do with the ministry of the word. Apostles and prophets had the foundational role as the authoritative recipients and proclaimers of Christ. Evangelists, pastors, teachers, they, I believe, represent the ongoing ministry of the word here, proclaiming the gospel, leading and feeding the flock with the word. Again, it's not just people who stand behind a pulpit, it's people who are leading Bible studies, people who are doing the counseling and discipleship, and and, right, gifted teachers. Every gift is important to the body, but again, here Paul is emphasizing those gifts or the gifted people that have to do with the ministry of the word. Why? Because it's through the ministry of the word that everyone in the body of Christ is enabled to grow and develop as they should. Okay, so are you starting to, we we have more to say about that, but are you starting to think about how this process works? God intends for, Jesus intends for his church to grow, number one, by people being equipped With the word, people being equipped to know the gospel, right? And we can already say, well, yeah, that makes sense, right? Because if you're saying growth looks like becoming mature and not being deceived, yeah, I need to know the gospel, don't I? So I can recognize that false teaching. So the word is essential in developing every member so that they are mature, so that they can be also using their gifts to serve and build up the body. So Christ gave these ministers of the word to his church, right? That's what verse 11 says, and now verse 12 further develops that. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. An important verse to understand about church growth. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Equipping. That word can mean repairing, but it also, and I believe here, means preparing or training. So people are being, members of the body are being prepared for a purpose. They're being trained with the word for a purpose. What is that purpose? Well, verse 12 says, For the work of ministry, for the building up of the body. So Christ has gifted a bounding grace church with, with pastors, elders, right, teachers, others in the body with the gift of teaching so that the word of God can be taught clearly and powerfully. And as the word is taught, God's people are equipped to do the work of ministry, right? The, um, this helps us avoid an error that I think historically the American church sometimes falls into, and that's the idea that, oh, well, the pastor's the one doing all the mi- the, the ministry, right? That's why we pay a pastor, you know? Um, I, I don't think Abounding Grace Church has that mindset, but it, it's still helpful to highlight it unless we would fall into that for some reason. No, God's intention, Christ's intention is that every member is doing ministry, Right? The pastors have a special role to to teach, lead, you know, protect against false teaching, but teach the truth to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, right? You see that? So all of God's people are to be doing the work of ministry, okay? Fine if you're tracking with me so far, but what is the work of ministry? <laughs> what does that mean to serve in the church? What does it look like to... To be used for the building up of the body. What does it look like to, you know, if we're talking about spiritual gifts, what does it look like to use your spiritual gifts for the building up of the body? And I think that's an important question. um, Because whenever you throw out the word serving, right? Being a servant or serve or calling people to serve. I reckon that many people start thinking about a position or a title, right? Okay, well, I will I'm going to become a greeter, or I'm going to, you know, become a, a Sunday school teacher, or I'll work in the nursery, or I'll do this, or I'll do that. And, and those are legitimate ways to serve, don't get me wrong. But the more I read and study the Bible, the more I see that, you know what, service is not about a title. I mean, there are offices in, of the church, there's elder, deacon. But within the, the the grand scheme of the body of Christ, serving is about the body loving, loving, And serving one another in relationships with the truth. And that's the point I want to develop with you. Okay, that's the second point under number three process. We saw what pastors and teachers do, right? They equip the saints to do the work of ministry. What do members do? Members encourage one another with truth and love. Okay, please get that. Members encourage one another. With truth in love. And that's the commitment, right? You know, that's why I'm doing these sermons here. I'm wanting them to highlight commitments we should have as a member of Abounding Grace Church. That's the commitment right there. I tweaked the wording from when I showed it to you a few weeks ago. But it's to encourage one another with truth in love. You say, where do you get that? Well, verse 15. Verse 15. Rather... And he says, rather, because he's contrasting the false teaching, right? Remember, verse 14 was talking about the false teaching, but now he says, rather, I want you to speak the truth. They're speaking what's false and deceitful. I want you to speak the truth in love. Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So we are to speak gospel truth. A lot of times people take this verse and they think it means well, you know, you just got to be honest about something, right? And and you need to you need to do it. Honestly, you need to do it nicely. And yeah, maybe that's true, but that's not really what Paul's emphasizing here. He's not just talking about, you know, going up to somebody and saying, "You know what? I got to tell you. Your your breath is bad, you know? You know, I love you, but you need to, you know, chew some gum or something, right?" That's not what he's talking about here. Um, He's talking about speaking gospel truth. He wants them to be a confessing church. Sometimes uh, churches will use that language. We're a confessing church, meaning that we hold to the content of the gospel. He wants the content of their confession, the content of their testimony to be the word of truth, the gospel of their salvation. If we'd been studying Ephesians all the way through, we would have seen him call it that back in chapter 1. The word of truth, the gospel of their salvation. So he says, speaking the truth in love. That's how we are to serve. And yes, there are tangible needs that need to be done. I mean, there's, there's people that need help moving, and there's people that need, uh, you know, uh, yard work done. And, and there are, you know, there's going to be times where there's people that need to you know, teach Sunday school or do things like that. But in all of that, with the, the underlining DNA of all our interactions needs to be speaking the truth in love. That's our primary ministry to each other, to continually speak gospel truth to each other. In other words, to remind each other about the truths of the gospel, to remind each other about the promises of the gospel, about who Jesus is, what he's done, who you are in Christ, what he's promised for us in the future, to just be continually speaking that into each other's life and into the situations that we find ourselves in or that we find our brother and sister in. And that's why I call it encouraging, right? It's to encourage One another with the promises of Christ. To lovingly exhort one another to keep following Christ. And so you can imagine that is done in in love, right? Yes, speaking the truth in love. It's done in loving relationships. Verse 16 continues to, to point that out. Look at 16 now. From whom, that's Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped... That's you guys, that's the members, right? The members that have been equipped. Now he's saying you're the joints, you're the the connection points, you're you're where we all come together, we do life together in relationships, right? When you're joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So do you see who, who are the who are on the front lines of this growth process, it's the members. It's the members as you're coming into contact with each other, as you're living and following Christ together in relationships, you're speaking the truth to each other. You're encouraging one another in, in your way of giftedness, right? And again, that may be in in meeting a physical tangible need some of you many of you are gifted in that right i mean you're you love bringing meals to someone and that is a tangible way to show love or or you love fixing things and helping people that's a tangible way to show love and in in that context then you're showing the love of christ you're praying with the person you're asking how can i pray for you how are you doing right and you're you're able to by God's grace, by the Holy Spirit's leading and filling, you're able to speak truth to them. In love, right? And again, we've all done that probably well. We've all done that probably poorly sometimes where maybe we had well, good intentions. Uh, you know, someone's really hurting and we, you know, we, it's not talking about just callously, you know, throwing out a Bible verse. It's about, you know, just hugging them and praying with them. And, and like we sang, weeping with them if they're weeping. And then as the Spirit leads, you're, you're, you're showing the love of Christ, certainly, and, and maybe you're able to talk about the, the truth of Christ, even in your prayer. Right In your prayer, you're reminding them of gospel truths. So this is, I mean, I hope verses 15 and 16 is really what I wanted to hone in on today, even though, you know, I I had to explain everything else because it is pertinent. But if we're talking about what is our commitment as a member, (laughs) that's where it is, right? That's where it's found in this passage, verses 15 and 16. So I really encourage you to meditate on those verses and understand those verses. See yourself in those verses, right? I'm to be... Speaking the truth in love. I'm to be growing up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm part of those joints that are holding things together. I'm to be being equipped so that as each part, as me, as a part of the body is working properly, as I'm, as I'm interacting and loving, it makes the body grow. So that it builds itself up. We build ourselves up in love. And again, it all comes from Christ, right? We've said that. Verse 16 says that. From whom? It's Christ. He's the one who saved us. He's the one who's gifted us. He's the one who's placed us. So all the glory goes to him. But he works through his church to build up the body. John Owen said of Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, quote, It is the greatest and most glorious description we have of the communion of the saints that we find in Scripture. (laughs) So again, that's, you know, 15 and 16 is talking about Living life together its talking about fellowship, true fellowship. It's talking about communion. The church body grows stronger because of its fellowship, because remember what fellowship is, koinonia, partnership, sharing together. The church body grows stronger because through its sharing together, each joint, each part of the body is involved in building itself up in love. I'm sorry if I belabored that, but that's... um, that's the commitment I want to emphasize. So I hope, I'm sure you're already knowing how this, what this looks like, right? Encouraging one another happens all over the place. It can happen after service, right, or in a small group Bible study, or while serving together, or during times of hospitality. And you see how this flows right out of last week's message. This is why it's so important, or one of the reasons, right, why it's important that we gather together to worship God that's why the weekly gatherings of the church are important so this can be taking place so these interactions can be taking place I love first Sundays you know fellowship meal right I mean actually praise God Abounding Grace Church stays after and fellowships every Sunday right but now we just do it over food (laughs) weekly gatherings are important because not only do you hear the word of God proclaimed but you're also then having opportunity to hear and speak the gospel to each other through a helpful, a helpful comment in a Bible study, by praying the truths of the gospel to, to one another, even during your, your fellowship time, right? Someone, you, you find you say, hey, how's your week going? Man, I'm really struggling today. Or I've been really struggling this week. It's been a hard week. You know, this has happened, and this has happened, and this has happened. You say, man, I'm, I'm really sorry, and I'm, I'm going to be praying for you, and could we pray right now, right? And you just pray, and you pray, and, and, as, and you're praying not to lecture them, but you're praying the truths of Scripture to encourage them as you're praying to God and, ask, and petitioning God, right? Through singing, right? Singing the promises of the gospel to one another in our worship. Ephesians, Colossians says we're by doing that, we're actually teaching each other. We're encouraging each other. Of course, this takes place even beyond the weekly corporate gatherings whenever you're together for times of fellowship through hospitality, through serving, through, through other interactions throughout the week, through a note, a phone call, a text. You can encourage each other. Share the truth of the gospel with one another. Let someone know you're praying for them. Type out a prayer in a text. And you know if you know someone has a, a, something heavy going on this week, you just type out a prayer. So, so they know you're praying for them. The body grows as we encourage one another with the truth in love, right? In love, love drives all this. And and again, we think about what does it look like to come together? Um, We talked about last week having the focus when we come together, not on what am I going to get out of this, but focused on giving God glory, right? Uh, Extolling his greatness, adoring him and that is our priority and then the second one then is how can i serve someone else so again we <laughs> the christ-like thing is to die to self right it's not about what what can i get and it's not just about me only um hanging around the people that i'm like the best although i understand that's going to happen to a degree but it's about reaching out in love even someone who's different than me right it, that's the beauty of the church, is people from all different backgrounds are, are being brought together. What do we have in common? Well, we don't have a lot of maybe common interests, worldly interests. You know, maybe one's a city slicker and one's a country bumpkin or whatever, I don't know. But we, what we do have in common is the gospel. We're sinners saved by grace. We've been shown such mercy and grace by Christ. And so we reach out in love. Even though our flesh maybe wants to focus on ourselves, we do this out of love. And then of course, that love, is, as Pastor Shannon read, comes from us abiding in Christ. Okay, so let's kind of wrap this up. We see the sequence here, right? The Word of God is taught by those who he, whom he's gifted, whom he's called to teach. And as the word of God is taught, the body's equipped to do the work of ministry. They're, they're taught the gospel. They're taught the importance of, of the body of Christ. God takes his word and equips us. Uh, he renews our minds, sanctifies us. He teaches us to die to self and to serve in love. He teaches us about the importance of the body of Christ. He teaches us about uh, the importance of the kingdom of God. All these things and all the implications of the gospel. And as the word of God is taught week after week, and in gathering after gathering, our minds are being renewed. We're being transformed to build to truly love and serve one another. And so then, when we hear of a need, we meet it. And when whenever we serve, we're looking to how can I not only just meet this physical need, but how can I encourage this brother, encourage this sister. And through those works of service, then the love of Christ is being displayed. So picture this, picture what this looks like for the body of Christ here at AGC. Each member doing their part, each member encouraging one another, speaking gospel truth to each other so that together we're growing into Christ-like maturity. I mean, isn't that exciting? I get excited about that when I think about what this looks like. And, and you know, it looks like uh, one of our, our adult youth leaders uh, with, the, with the small groups of, the, of the young people on Sunday nights teaching them the word of God, praying for them interacting with them together. It looks like us studying Colossians together on a Wednesday. It looks like you guys getting together for coffee or, or for fellowship outside and hospitality. It looks like having someone new over to your house, someone you didn't know and, and, and you're trying to get to know and you're sharing your testimony. You're asking them about their testimony. You're at, interacting how we can pray for each other. It's visiting one of our senior saints, listening to their experiences, then reading a Bible passage with them, Right? you don't have to be the, the preacher to do that. You can just meet with one of our senior saints and say, hey, you know what? I was reading something today in my devotions. Could I read it with you? It was a blessing to me. I'll, I'd like to bless you. They would love that, right? It's writing or texting an encouraging note, sharing a gospel promise. So many ways that this could be happening. And, and, and again, picture what if five... Uh, or 4:15 and 16 are talking about. Each time that happens, each time our lives are intersecting and and gospel truth is just is is kind of bursting out, right? And the body's growing. You know, people are encouraged, people are, are sanctified. So what does this look like? Well, again, if you're not engaging with the body, then what's happening? You're missing out. You're missing out on encouragement and grace that Christ has for your growth. It's like you're cutting yourself off from the nutrients that he's provided for you if you're not engaging with the body. And then like kind of what we talked about last week, if you're not engaging with the body, you're also depriving the body, right? Because you're depriving the rest of, of the church from the grace and nutrients that Christ intends to channel through you for their good, for their growth. So all these verses start to come together, don't they? Like we saw last week, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Stir up one another to love and good works. Hebrews three thirteen, But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So this should encourage us to be together when the body's together. And then also I hope it helps frame what we do when we're together. Again, whether it's in a gathering or outside what do we do? What do we talk about? If all we do is merely socialize on a surface level, then our spiritual lives are going to be impoverished. God intends for us to also be sharing about our struggles and the blessings of Christian life. I'm not saying we can't ever talk about, you know, the families and kids and sports or whatever. I mean, that's, that's where we're doing life every day. I get it. But let's not just leave it there, right? I mean, what should be different about the church? I mean, unbelievers get together and talk about all that stuff, and they leave it there because they don't have any truth to encourage each other with. <laughs> what do they encourage each other with? But we have the truth. We have the gospel to encourage each other with. So let's let's try to be intentional about um, engaging one another on a at at, a, at the level of our Christian walks. And I, again, I understand there's certain people you're going to go deeper with than others. I'm not saying that won't be the case. That's fine. But let's try to be a blessing to each other. Of course, we model that by being transparent ourselves. So I, I'll skip some of this because I fear I'm belaboring it a little bit. But Christ cares for his body, for his church, through the members serving one another in love. So let's... End where we started. Our life and growth comes from Christ. Again, verse 16, do you see that? I love how, you know, you take 11 and 16, it starts with Christ, it ends with Christ, right? 11, he, Christ, gave, and now verse 16, from whom Christ, the whole body joined and held together, does this, right? Our growth comes from Christ. He has saved us and placed us in a body of fellow believers. He has indwelt each one of us and gifted us so that we can encourage one another with the truth and love. And as we do that, we will together grow in Christ's likeness. Why? That we may display the beauty and the glory of Christ to the world around us. I thought about that song that we that we sing sometimes. I think Twila Paris wrote it. How beautiful is the body of Christ? Right. Last week, we talked about the church being a display of God's glory. Remember 1 Corinthians 14, that people would come to our gatherings and they could walk away saying, surely God is in that place. And so again, I put that before you. May people see Christ when they come to AGC. May they be like, see how they love each other. See how they encourage one another. See how they serve one another. Where does this kind of love come from? And of course, then, praise God, we would have the opportunity to say, well, it's from Jesus. It's from Jesus. He loved us and laid down his life for us on the cross. And then they're brought face to face with Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and devotion to us. Thank you so much for saving us and, and and giving us eternal life and but not just only saving us but placing us in a body of Christ so that we 're not running this race by ourselves. Thank you for not leaving us as orphans but adopting us into your family and placing us in a family. I thank you for the body of Christ that you've called together here at at abounding grace church where we know your universal body is is expressed in local bodies here. And so I thank you for this local body of believers that you've called out of darkness and into your marvelous light. And I thank you for how you've sovereignly um, placed us together and gifted us. We need each other. Thank you for your commitment to us that you would continue to pour out your love and your grace for our growth through each other. And so Father, I pray that you will help us to live out this passage. Help us to be equipped. Help help me and the other teachers to to depend on you and to do well at equipping the saints with the gospel truth. And then help us to be connected to each other. To do life together. And to be intentional in in speaking the truth in love. I thank you for how you've encouraged me and, and, and helped me to grow through the saints here. And may we do that for each other again so that the glory of Christ is displayed. Please work that in us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to continue with our worship service by celebrating the Lord's Supper together. How appropriate, right? As we're talking about Christ's love and the life he gives us and the body of Christ. I'll read just a, a... couple of verses from 1 John 4, and then you can take a a moment to um, just pray and thank God for His grace to you and saving you and, and all that He's given you in Christ. Confess any sin. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So just take a moment and pray.